0: And on this week's show, we talk about the issue of teams being affected by players with big egos, players who have huge contracts and can become big-headed. Countries like Nigeria have struggled with this, and there are stories of it being a problem in the Ghana national team. We speak to Black Star striker Majid Waris, who says that all is OK with the team. All the remaining, we are like
1: you know, young, young guys, Like, who are doing really well in our European based
0: clubs? So, I I don't think we have like a lot of big egos in the country, I would say. And we talk about Manchester City 6 0 demolition of Chelsea and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's first defeat as Manchester United manager. That's all coming up. First, the final of the under-20 Africa Cup of Nations takes place in Niger on Sunday, and it's Mali playing Senegal after two very tight semi-final games. Uh, Mali beat Nigeria on penalties after a 1-1 draw, and Senegal edged South Africa 1-0. Good news for all four teams is that they've all qualified for the under-20 FIFA World Cup in Poland later this year. So we'll see who will become the under-20 Africa Cup of Nations champions. Uh, to the CAF Champions League now, there were midweek matches, and in a stunning result, Simba of Tanzania beat eight-time champions Al-Athli of Egypt 1-0 in Dar es Salaam. A huge win for Simba, putting them in with a chance of reaching the quarter-finals. Simba had won their opening match, but then lost 5-0 to AS Vita of DR Congo, and then lost by the same scoreline, 5-0 to Al-Athli away. Uh, but this turnaround shows that smaller teams can cause upsets in the Champions League. Two matches to go, and in Group A, the 2016 champions Sundowns of South Africa and the 2017 winners Wydad Casablanca of Morocco have the top two places. In Group B, the defending champions Esperance of Tunisia are top, with Horoya of Guinea moving into second after beating Zimbabwe's FC Platinum 2-0. In Group C, Egypt's Ismaili have been reinstated after having been thrown out of the competition over crowd trouble. They appealed successfully. Their fixtures will be rescheduled in due course. Next games in the Champions League are on early next month. We're now here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, to the second part of our interview with Ghana striker Majid Waris, who plays for Nantes in the French League One, on loan from Portuguese side Porto. Wairis is 27. He's played in Sweden, Turkey and Russia. In this part of the interview, Waris spoke to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Akaleji and here he addresses stories that the Ghana national team is struggling with ego problems of players becoming too big-headed. Waris first explained how the players interact on social media and stay close that way um for me
1: like you know sometimes it's good that we have like argument for example i remember when i scored with my left I texted at you, and then I was Christian at you, and then I was asking him if his right foot is better than my left. You know, you know, this kind of things is um, is something that gives players motivation. It's something that adds something to players. Okay, it's like a, a little bit competition to wake your friends up. It's like a joke, but it's something that you know that gives more motivation to your friends. And then sometimes they send me say, "Have you seen this?" Sometimes you know, and then we create jokes around. But um, with the national team. You know, there's a lot of like rumors going on about this, that, about that, but all what I see is that me when I go, this is national team, we have to win and then we leave. And then um, I think that's what, if you think if we win, if we are winning cups, someone is going to talk about this, that. It's because we are not winning. If we win the cup, if we win a the trophies, then no one is going to talk about this division, there is that. So all what we have to concentrate as a players is to win a trophy and then everything will be united.
2: When the European countries want to analyse Africa, they say Cameroon, for instance, they had egos with Eto, this one, that one, big players. Nigeria, they will say they used, they've always had ego problems and all that. So it's not something that is really affecting Ghana. It's just the fact that you guys been unlucky. Um,
1: if you look at the Ghana national team, I think there are like maybe few players that you can say they've achieved something like really big for themselves personally. If you look at the Ghana national team. I think most of the team is just like lots of young young boys it's not like Nigeria national team that you can pick out like a lot of big stars this is this is the advantage for the Ghana national team we have a lot of young 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 players who play as a team who and then who make of a, a lot of sacrifice for the national team and then I think this is something like we should consider and then I don't see anything like with ego and then because if you t- look at Asamoah Gyan if you look at Dede, and then all the remaining we are like You know, young, young guys like who are doing really well in our
0: European based clubs. So I I don't think we have like a lot of big egos in the country, I would say. That's Ghana national team striker Majid Waris speaking to Olawoshina Okaleji. Uh, well then, Solomon, this is an issue in African football, isn't it? Uh, we heard there from Waris saying that uh, things are OK. Uh, but egos means people who become big-headed, in this case uh, players who can become big-headed after getting deals with big clubs and taking on a lavish lifestyle, maybe then thinking that they are bigger than the team. Well, the issue of egos in African football have been
2: around for quite a very very long time right from you know back to when football became professional and the growth of the game actually uh made certain players uh sort of uh, very important in their own eyes important to the life of football in their own countries in their own clubs and they are adored by many fans so it became some sort of give them a feeling of of importance, and they sometimes feel they are far more better than the team. Sometimes they feel that they they are more important. Without them, the team is not going to go on. So then came the the opportunity for African players to go overseas and earn quite a lot of money and play in bigger clubs and get to be watched on TV by fans in Africa. You know, so they became so much like larger than life. You know, they live a a lavish lifestyle. They move from the streets and the ghettos of Nairobi or Lagos or Accra or, you know, Johannesburg. And now they're in the bright lights of Amsterdam, London or Paris, earning big money, living in big houses, driving fast cars. So that gave them a sense of importance But a translation of that importance into a team sport like football is always a a big problem for African players. Remember, a lot of them don't have any sort of uh, education. A lot of them don't have any sort of... uh, role models and not really having a balanced uh, perspective about life. You know, they came from poverty. so And coming from poverty, you always always feel once you have the money, you get big deals in football, then you become important. That's what makes you important. But money shouldn't be what makes you important. We've had players like Abidi Pelé at one point uh, of Ghana, you know, going through that kind of situation. We've had in Nigeria, Stephen Keshi, the former captain and, and coach of Nigeria, had the same situation. In South Africa, we have Tulani to, uh, to Serrero, who recently, uh, you know, when he was playing for Ajax Amsterdam, decided to take him step off the team because he was asked that, that he needs to be guaranteed that he's going to be played anytime he comes. So there's a sense of importance, but that's not the best way to deal
0: with it. Yeah, sure. And uh, Solomon, this issue of egos, uh, is it a genuine factor maybe in why African teams struggle at the World Cup? what it does is it
2: affects the team spirit it affects the team unity it affects the plan that the coach had for the team and when you go to a world cup it affects your performance and you struggle because the egos is bringing a lot of this unity in the team and there's just no way uh, you know the team would play as a united uh, front if we can really get rid of that 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 would really uh, help us uh, in africa
0: Yeah. Uh, So then, Solomon, how do you think that uh, the coaches and the leaders of the country's football federations can best deal with the problem of egos? Uh, Should they drop players who get too big headed? Uh, Should they treat the big names differently? Or should they do something to build a sense of pride in the team, maybe? I think players who are big egos, even though they're
2: important to the team, Uh, should be dropped because we need to set an example just so tomorrow uh, five years from now another generation comes in they would know that look another top player who was very important to the team was dropped not because of his form but because of his uh, ego you know we, we need to do that because every player needs to be treated equally though different players you know play different roles and in the team but you need to have a sense of equality amongst the team. When you have players who have egos and, and who wants to always get their way, then you need to, you know, try to shut them down. You need to banish them from the team if need be. You need to send them home. You need to tell them, look, I'm not gonna be able to trick you, to, to take you and invite you to play for the national team until you deal with your character issue. Because egos, you know, are character issues. The character of you th- thinking you're important than another person, another player. You know, we need we also need to see maybe some of the big names that are very important we need to see how we can uh, create some sort of uh, psychological or counseling sessions you know with them and for them to be able to deal with certain egos because if you have a big ego consistently then you need help yourself to be able to deal with it and to be able to to see how you can uh, become a better person because if you deal with it then you become a better person and we also need to make them understand the sense of pride definitely in playing for the national team that playing for the national team is much more important important than anything you know where you only bring joy to so many people it's like a national service and you're not doing it for yourself so we 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 must look at that and and really uh, access that and and look for better ways to be able to tone it down and deal
0: with egos within the team
2: just so the team can perform better
0: Thanks, Solomon. Always a tricky one to handle, that one, I'd say. Well, Stuart Weir, our European football expert, joins us from the UK. And uh, Stuart, these clashes of players with big egos are clashing with their coaches is a global issue. Doesn't happen just in Africa. And Ireland captain Roy Keane being sent home ahead of the 2002
3: World Cup is one example. Yes, that was when Roy Keane clashed with the Ireland manager Mick McCarthy and was sent home even before the World Cup started. I mean, ironically, I met Mick McCarthy when we were both guests of FIFA at a game in that 2002 World Cup, but I didn't have the courage to ask him about Roy Keane. The issue that they disagreed about, though, was one that a lot of African players would sympathise with. Roy Keane was used to the best of everything with Manchester United, and he felt that, frankly, the Irish facilities for the World Cup preparation were a bit amateurish, and said so. The Irish management didn't like it, and he had to go. Keane's departure from Manchester United was another example of his ego, and Alex Ferguson wrote of that in his book later, any player who challenges the manager's authority has to go immediately. Actually, Steve, I found a website which lists the top 20 egos in football. It was amusing reading. Interestingly, 18 are players and two are managers. The biggest ego, according to the article, is uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, one of his goal celebrations, you may remember, used to be to take off his shirt and show his six-pack to the fans. Number two in the list is Diego Costa, who, no matter which club he was at, always seemed to be plotting a move to a bigger one. Paul Pogba comes third. Other players included Zatan Ibrahimovic, who's quoted as saying, You know, I can't help but laugh when I think how perfect I am. John Terry, Mario Balotelli, Sergio Ramos, Arian Robin and Wayne Rooney also make the list. And then there was Ashley Cole, who, when Arsenal offered him a contract worth four million dollars a year, described it as laughable wages and went off to Chelsea. Uh, Since then he's been known as Cashley Cole. Two African players make the list Didier Drogba and I personally had some experience of his ego when I was in Abidjan for a World Cup game. We were told that all the Ivorian players were available for interview. I remember talking to Didier Zamora, Colo Torre Drogba appeared for two minutes, then went off to his room. The other African on the list is Adebayor, who of course played for many of the world's top clubs, but never for very long, partly, I understand, because of personality clashes. You'll not be surprised to know that one of the managers on the list is Jose Mourinho, you know, the one who called himself the special one and repeatedly liked to remind fans and journalists of his achievements, like holding up three fingers to indicate his Champions League wins, reminding journalists that he had won the Premier League title more times than the other 19 managers combined, but it never ended well at any of his clubs. The other manager in the list is Arsene Wenger, who always seemed to think his tactics were just right and never needed a plan B. You know, Steve, I was thinking about how Jesus Christ gave us such a great example of humility when he washed the feet of his disciples and talked about taking the role of a servant. Not too many footballers and managers seem to have that mindset. Yeah, sometimes we don't see much
0: humility from these star players. And at the top clubs you have many players who are getting paid more than their boss, than the manager. can be a difficult situation.
3: That can be a bit difficult, but, you know, I think it's inevitable that the top players will always earn more than the top managers because players, frankly, are more in demand than managers. And, of course, when you buy a player, you can always recover your money by selling him on. And there isn't the same market for selling managers.
0: Well, thanks, Stuart. And asking for your thoughts on this on social media this week. How should coaches and how should football federations deal with players who are big headed? Should they drop the players? Should they treat the big names differently? Can they do something maybe to build a sense of pride in the team? You can post a comment on our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two What's the best way to deal with players who are big headed? Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programmes in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can listen to on our New Look website, planetsport.tv. Our other shows are there too. That's Planet Sport and the Planet Sport Rugby podcast. Uh, Plus interviews with various sports stars, including Christian Achoo of Ghana and Patson Daka of Zambia. And uh, there are pictures and profiles of the Planet Sport Football Africa team. That's in the About Us section of our New Look website, planetsport.tv. And now we turn to social media and last week we asked who will take the English Premier League title and what will be the decisive factor as Manchester City lead Liverpool on goal difference, Liverpool having a game in hand, Manchester City with that staggering 6-0 win over Chelsea last weekend. This question has prompted the biggest response we've ever had on the show, so we'll get through as many comments as possible, but uh, apologies if we're not able to read yours out. On Facebook first, and Musa Suso in The Gambia says, I believe Manchester City will win the league, and that will be known when Manchester United beat Liverpool. Uh, Yes, we'll see as Liverpool visit Old Trafford in their next Premier League fixture. Sana Jaune also in the Gambia says you're forgetting Spurs. Actually, I think they have a better chance of winning the league. Interesting. On What's Up, Chelsea fan Isaac in Ghana says it's obvious that Man City will surely win the title. Liverpool will need a miracle to prove us wrong. And certainly City put down a marker with that her 6-0 hammering of Chelsea. Ricky Ngulube in Zambia agrees, saying Man City won it recently and they know what it feels like to be champions, unlike Liverpool, who won it decades ago. I think Liverpool gave it away when they allowed City to come level on points, says Ricky. Amadou Jallo in the Gambia says, As a Man United fan, I hope that Manchester City will win the title. Liverpool's players lack the character to win, and apart from James Milner, they have no other players who've won a major trophy, and that will be the difference come May, says Amadou. And it's good to hear from Rwanda, from Alan Ernest Twagi Rayezu. Alan says, for me, based on consistency, I think that Manchester City will take the title. Joseph Adelino in Namibia agrees, saying City will take it as they're a tough club and they know how to work together as a team. Juma Dowder in Sierra Leone also goes for City. Liverpool always drop points towards the end of the season, says Juma. So I think City will win the league and Manchester United will surely make it into the top four. Indeed, Man United in fourth after that win at Fulham last weekend. We always welcome your voice notes here on Planet Sport Football Africa. From Cameroon, here's Nsonye Armstrong. Manchester City will win the league
1: because they've got a bigger squad.
0: They have
1: a stronger mentality than Liverpool. At the moment, Liverpool has more injuries and a lot of players are not fulfilling the tasks that they are being sent to do. Especially looking at the West Ham game. They are low on mentality and Jurgen Klopp is a little bit uh, overtaken by the challenge. You can see Pep Guardiola is playing with mind games, saying things like Chelsea can still challenge, Spurs can still challenge. is because he knows that he's playing mind games over Jurgen Klopp.
0: Well, yeah, Pep is certainly a clever coach. A thanks there to Ansoni Armstrong in Cameroon, saying it's going to be Manchester City. But in the Gambia, Mamor Jan disagrees.
1: For me, Mamor, I choose Liverpool for winning the title. Because since the Premier League is named after the Premier League, Liverpool never won it. So I tip Liverpool to win the Premier League this season.
0: Thanks, Mamor. Also on the Liverpool side is Alfred Bezai in Malawi, saying Liverpool will win the league this time around, and they'll win on points and not on goal difference. Says Alfred. Modu Jangba in the Gambia agrees, saying Liverpool will bounce back to win the title. Remember, they still have a game in hand. Says Modu. James Olatunge Roberts is in Sierra Leone. Uh, the race is really tough, and who can be the winner of the league at this stage is difficult to say, but. From the look of things, I see Liverpool to win it, says James. Blessings nearenda in Malawi says Manchester City are pushing, but to me Liverpool are still ahead in the contest. They have Jurgen Klopp as their manager. They will scoop the league because he is ambitious. It's ambition versus tactics, says Blessings, and in that race, ambition always wins. Uh, thanks for that one. Uh, James Wallace Jr., also in Malawi, says Liverpool have a problem. They slip in the 90th minute just before the glory. But, despite that, they will win this title. It's been too long, they've been crying, so I think they're improving on this weak side and will not slip up but just before the end this time, says James. Of course, 1990, the last time that Liverpool did take the Premier League title. Jatta Samba in the Gambia also believes Liverpool have the edge. It's hard to decide, but I believe Liverpool will end by winning it, says Jatta. Look at the shape of the team. City are in good form too, but Liverpool have great attackers with the likes of Mane, Salah and Firmino. And if they have no injuries, they will win it for sure, says Jatta. Uh, But not everyone agrees that it's just a two-horse race. Uh, Omar Balde in The Gambia says it's far too early to say don't rule out any team in the top five. Sam Chiquilera in Malawi agrees, saying any of the top four can win it. The games are far from over. Anything can happen. And Mwinga Mambolwa in Zambia goes further, saying Tottenham will win the league. Liverpool will choke along the way and City will drop vital points path is set for Spurs to win, says Mwinga. And finally, Manasseh Kinte in the Gambia says City will take the title because Liverpool are throwing away valuable points, which is not a good sign. City have a squad that knows how to win the Premier League. That will really help them, says Manasseh. Thanks again for all of those comments and apologies. As I say, we didn't have time to get to yours there. Uh, Let's stay with that then. Manchester City's 6-0 win over Chelsea was quite something and Liverpool played superb football in their win over Bournemouth.
3: How do you see the race shaping up now, Stuart? Yes, it's as you were at the top of the Premier League table with Manchester City and Liverpool both winning. City remain ahead on goal difference but Liverpool with that game in hand. And with the FA Cup this coming weekend, we'll have to wait until the weekend of the 23rd of February for more fascinating developments in this amazing Premier League race. Now, it was no surprise that Manchester City beat Chelsea, but the score of 6 nil was a shock, especially for Chelsea. And given that Aguera missed a simple chance and City hit the crossbar, it could quite easily have been 8 nil. And remember that Chelsea's last away game, they lost 4-0 at Bournemouth. So that's a goal difference of 0-10 in their last two games. Now, the real significance of that result is that Manchester United are now fourth. And remember, they were 11 points behind fourth place when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was appointed manager. To spell that out, if the season ended today, Manchester United would be in the Champions League along with Manchester City, Liverpool and Tottenham, with Arsenal and Chelsea missing out for the second year running. Of course, Arsenal are in transition the first season after the Arsene Wenger era, but Chelsea under Mauricio Sarri seem to have lost their way. And remember, they were champions just two seasons ago.
0: Yes, very concerning for fans of the Blues. And Stuart, Ivory Coast's Sol Bamba scored in an important win for Cardiff.
3: Uh, Yes, Sol Bamba's goal helped Cardiff City win at Southampton and move out of the bottom three. The game had a chaotic ending with Stevens equalising for Southampton in the first minute of stoppage time. Only for Zohore to score the winner two minutes later. Incidentally, Steve, Ken Zahori was not the only player whose surname began with Z to score in the weekend, as the Ivorian Wilfred Zaha also scored. And this is the first time the two players with surnames beginning with Z scored in the Premier League since Zamora and Zenden in 2011. Bet you didn't know that. But going back to Saul Bamba, he was so excited when he scored that he ran to the crowd, hugged the spectator so hard that he broke her glasses. Cardiff City, incidentally, had promised to pay for replacement glasses. And after the game, Bamba tweeted, You hugged me harder than my wife ever did. To which his wife replied, Just you wait. (laughs) Amusing aftermath of that game. And Steve, I just have two pieces of trivia for you. Aaron Ramsey was told by Arsenal that he was free to leave at the end of the season and that he would not be offered another contract. Well, he's just signed for Juventus from the beginning of next season, reportedly for $500,000 a week. Not a bad wage for a player who wasn't wanted at Arsenal. Steve, in 1984, I went to my first ever FA Cup final. Everton beat Watford 2-0 with Andy Gray scoring for Everton. 35 years later, in a Premier League game at the weekend, Watford beat Everton 1-0, and the goal scorer was Andy Gray, Um, a different Andy Gray. Amazing. Well, yes, the other Andy Gray would be a bit old
0: for that now. And, uh, Stuart, we must talk about the UEFA Champions League round of 16 first-leg games this past week. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer with his first defeat as Manchester United manager as they lost 2-0 at home to Paris Saint-Germain. There had been so much optimism, but this was a reality check. Uh, Do we blame the coach here, the squad,
3: the executive? Uh, Yes, Steve, Manchester United were well beaten. And frankly, I cannot remember one occasion when I thought United were going to score. Paris Saint-Germain simply looked the better team in all respects. United couldn't break down the French defence. And the French club, even without Neymar and Cavani, caused United all sorts of problems. Solskjaer said afterwards, today was a kind of reality check on the level of the top teams. This is the level we want to get to. We know we need to step up. We are disappointed. An honest response. Of the Manchester United stars, Pogba was closely marked. Riceford made been no impression. Sanchez, a second-half substitute, frankly, looked lost. United will feel aggrieved that Kimpembe scored the first goal when he was extremely lucky still to be on the pitch. Already on a yellow card, he seemed to commit two other professional fouls, but the referee let him get away with it. It was good to see the Ivorian Eric Bailly back in the team, but he was probably at fault on the second goal. Now, remember one of the quirks of the Champions League draw is that all three German clubs play three English clubs. And in the first of these encounters, Tottenham had an amazing game with Dortmund at Wembley. Tottenham were frankly outplayed in a scoreless first half, but then Despite being without the injured Harry Kane, they scored three second-half goals to take a three-nil lead into the second leg. Another Ivorian, Serge Aurier, had an excellent game for Tottenham. In the other ties, Real Madrid won 2-1 away to Ajax of Amsterdam, and Roma beat Porto 2-1 to set up a fascinating second leg. The other four ties will be played on Tuesday and Wednesday of the coming week, but now. VAR was being used in the Champions League for the first time this season and in quite a different way from what we saw in the World Cup or cup competitions in England. And it was not without controversy. With the score nil-nil, Ajax put the ball in the Real Madrid net, the referee awarded the goal, Ajax celebrated only for VAR to instruct the referee to disallow the goal for offside. Now, at best, it was a marginal decision and not at all a clear and obvious error. And then in the Tottenham Dortmund game, VAR stopped the game to look at a possible penalty for handball. The ball had struck the player on the back. and. Manchester United's Paul Pogba received two yellow cards. The second, which took forever to decide, seemed to involve VAR. But as I understand it, VAR can only intervene in straight red cards. And to complete the farce, the UEFA caption told us that Ashley Young, not Pogba, had received the red card. Not VAR's finest moment. Oh, well, so the video assistant referee
0: controversies continue. Thanks very much, Stuart. That's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare from Solomon Ashams in South Africa and Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.